Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... Forbidden fruit must be tasted. Well, when Maury told me what you were willing to do, I... <laughs> Todd! Are you not aware that I get farty and bloated with a foamy latte? My mistake, Jacobin! Your mistake indeed! <laughs> Yes, Derek. Michael Preston. The Kook Center Hour is back. The music, the Kill Bill music, the Kill Bill music back. I keep saying Kill Bill. I have no idea why. I haven't done this in a while. That's why. I'm Michael Preston. As you uh, normally know, we uh, last had our last one right before the Sun Bowl. And this time we're going to talk about football again. But we're not going to talk about anybody currently on the football team. We're going to be talking about some kids that are expected to sign with the football team come Wednesday morning when National Signing Day will take place. Since the last one, we have been so honored for Mr. Britton Ransford to no longer be a part of KookZone.com, but he is now KookCenter.com's own recruiting guru, live from Wenatchee. Britton Ransford is live from Wenatchee, the recruiting hotbed of Washington on US2, uh, just east of the Cascades, Mr. Ransford. Yeah, we're not, she's, uh, I had to go equidistant between um, Pullman and uh, Seattle just to make sure that we got uh, everything covered perfectly. <laughs> That's how thorough the coverage is on Kook Center. There are people in all parts of the state to get things covered. But Britton also is from Wenatchee, and he's having a wonderful time uh, drinking his way through the bars there this week. Uh, Britton, I think your favorite, <laughs> your favorite term for this time of year uh, is silly season. Uh, you know, it's after the dead period that, uh, we had early in the year and now things have ramped up finally. And we're kind of coming all to the, to the top of the roller coaster here on our way down, uh, on Wednesday. It, it, this is the end of silly season, but even then a lot of weird stuff usually happens on Wednesday, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But, um, it appears though that it's almost as if you win football games, it gets less silly. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's been a, it's been relatively uneventful um, silly season while um, in the decommitment area I mean WSU's only had uh, quarterbacks decommit this class and doesn't look like they're going to take one but uh, it's been it, good on that front um, Wednesday is uh, the day you find everything out I mean sometimes the coaches don't even really know uh, who's going to be um, sending in their letters of intent usually they give them a call and uh, Tuesday night or even in the morning um, before they head to school and say hey I think that's kind of part of the reason, Brenton, we've seen them uh, offer more. And right now they have more verbal commitments than they can actually take. You're allowed to sign uh, up to 25 players in each recruiting cycle. And right now they have verbal commitments from 26. I mean, that's got to be part of it, right? Is you just kind of assume there are going to be some signing day casualties. There are going to be guys who uh, don't qualify. Or you could you know, do some weird stuff with the scholarship math, right? Yeah, you know, there's gray shirts, and then there's um, 
you're going to have the academic guys that they don't really want to take a chance on. So they have uh, 26, 27 in there right now that uh, some might not be expected to, to sign. Um, others, um, they kind of might want to sign, but that's just kind of an area where if their test scores aren't looking great, I mean, there's still time for them to get those up and be good and um, get in good standing with the NCAA and uh, get into school. But um, is it a risk they want to take because you only get those 25? Um, they did last year. They tried to... Um, sneak, you know, Thomas Toki in with the, the academic issues that they were fully aware of, um, and unfortunately that didn't work out, but that was the risk they were willing to take just because of the caliber of prospect. Mm-hmm. In this class, I don't know if there's many that are um, on that fringe area, um, yeah. especially none that, that they would uh, really take a risk on um, based on, on numbers or what have you uh, with their academic risk. So, you're going to see some some uh, letters of intent not come in on Wednesday, and um, that might be because of a grace shirt issue or the academic issue. But um, they they wanted to make sure they covered all of uh, their bases here um, leading up, and so they've. It, it looks like they're trying to oversign, but they're really not. They'll, they'll take their their 25, and there's a message of their madness, and so mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where we're at there. You're not really allowed to kind of oversign like you used to be able to, though, really, right? I mean, the NCAA has put some rules in place to kind of prevent some of that. You still can kind of get funky with the scholarship math, but that kind of traditional quote-unquote oversigning that we were used to seeing is kind of a thing of the past, isn't it? Yeah, they got rid of that. I think it was the SEC who kind of spearheaded the end of that. They uh, were doing a lot of stuff with the Gracier stuff, and um, now they do have a, a way you can get kind of kind of get funky with it with the blue shirt and um, that's kind of something that started to pick up in the last couple of years um wsu fans might be familiar with uh, it happening last year to to them uh deontay burnett was committed to wsu for quite some time and he started flirting with uh, michigan right before signing day and all of a sudden um the day he's headed to go sign between wsu and michigan usc comes in with an offer and because they've ever actually went into their living room, went, went into his living room, um, or actively recruited him on campus. Um, they can basically take him, um, bring him on. He'll pay his way through the summer courses. And then uh, as soon as you get onto um, campus for uh, August, then um, they can put him on scholarship and count him forward to the 2017 class. Yeah. So that's one way you can kind of sneak around now. There's blue and every single color shirt you, you can find now in the you can get really weird. I mean, it, it's tough to follow all that that uh, mm-hmm. scholarship math because yeah. it's it's just consistently evolving. Yeah, we also you know there's also as Mark will point out in his scholarship math post, there's just there's no way to actually know you know who's on scholarship and who's not. School doesn't have to tell you. It's a federal privacy law too, so we don't actually have a way of knowing that. Let's actually get to uh, the recruiting class as it stands right now. As we said. At 26 verbal commits, a couple of guys already on campus. We'll talk about them in a bit. But it's hovering right around that kind of high 40s range. 24-7 puts it at 57 rivals in scout right at 48-49, I think, in Britain. This kind of seems to be uh, Mike Leach's best class since he got to Wazoo. But the the recruiting class really gets better the year after the success, not the two months that follow the bowl game. Is that kind of the usual cycle that it takes for it, or do we usually expect for it to get better right after the bowl game? Yeah, I mean, you look at other programs and stuff, you want to get that second consecutive good year in there, and then you kind of start to build a winning culture. Um, it sounds like it feels like WCU's kind of on that right track, but I mean, all year, I mean, is still an afterthought in a lot of people's uh, minds, you know, just because of the history and everything. But, yeah, that next year, um, 2017, which they're already recruiting, they've um, 
the month of January is basically <clears throat> nailing down your current commits, um, your last remaining targets, and then while you're out on the road, still just getting to know those um, kids in the next class. You're always recruiting a class ahead, and so um, yeah, I, I'd expect that the, the 2017 class, granted they they still continue to play well this year, is the class that you really see that spike maybe into that 30 range. Mm-hmm. But this class is great. I mean, it's the most deep class that he's had, and I think it's his best class, the leeches, that is, since yep. he's been on campus. And so um, it, it's a really deep class, and they didn't really need anything. I mean, everyone wants those four stars. I mean, everyone says they want a five-star, and, and mm-hmm. those guys are the kids that come in and compete right away. But they bring back so many players in this class that um, this almost seemed like a class that would be great to get a bunch of guys that, um, had uh, decent offers, and um, you can just sit them back and redshirt them and develop them. And so mm-hmm. I think this class uh, has a really high floor and uh, also a pretty high ceiling as well. So um, not too many risks in this class, a lot of solid football players, um, and they, they go almost 25 deep. I mean, there's not many that um, they're, they're going to be able to gray shirt and have someone not pick up. Yeah. There are already a few guys on campus that signed early. They're currently taking classes, uh, including Isaiah Johnson, that wide receiver from Florida who decommitted from Florida uh, before coming to Wazoo. Justice Rogers, the former quarterback at Bellevue High School uh, here near Seattle. Those guys already getting on campus and probably pretty key to get a guy like Isaiah Johnson in you know, this offense with the wide receivers you're looking at. Uh, he's got other really good wide receivers in his class as well, along with Desmond Patman. So, it's got to be nice to have guys like that on campus already, and especially for Justice Rogers, who played quarterback in high school, probably will not be playing quarterback at WSU. He's going to be, I would expect, in the secondary somewhere. But having these guys on campus has to be a very nice thing for Mike Leach and his coaching staff to already basically get their paws on him. Yeah, I mean, that's what they, you always want. You want to get him in there and get him acclimated right away, and then you get those extra um, 15 practices in a spring game in uh, before you even get into your first fall camp and um, they're going to have a, definitely a head start on everyone else. I don't think Justice Rogers is um, going to play right away but I mean with a guy like Isaiah Johnson where um, you have Tom Williams leaving on the outside and um, he's a highly recruited guy out of Miami and then um, he, I mean he, at one time he was committed to Louisville and then he was committed to Miami and then Florida I mean you can tell the, the caliber of those programs um, for them to go down there and get him and get him on campus is, is huge and um, he has all the talent in the world 6'3", 190 pounds and um, he's already physically ready to play at this level, and so getting him in there and um, learning this offense is huge. Another guy, Jalen Thompson, um, <clears throat> you saw what Barry Moulton did last year, came in. Um, he, he wasn't a, a mid-year guy, but he came in um, and, and earned a spot right away. I think that gives Jalen Thompson um, a, a huge head start at cornerback just because um, he, he's going to get in there and learn Alex Scripture's system, um, as everyone else is still learning Alex Scripture's system, the guys that yeah. have been there. And yeah. So it, it is really big, and... Um, Leach always talks about just getting used to like the college atmosphere, getting used to being on your own and um, going through the, the academics and um, just really being away from home. They really like getting those kids up there and they're going through um, they night maneuvers with them right now. And so, um, yeah, and then, and then you also, of course, you have um, the Juco guy. You got uh, Garrett McBroom, who they're going to need him to come in and play right away. And so getting him up there immediately is, is, is huge as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to get as many as you can on campus early. Usually they do it at quarterbacks, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen in this class. So maybe yeah. Justice Rogers does get a shot um, yeah. when spring practice comes, and it's kind of a cool opportunity for him with them probably not bringing in a scholarship QB to um, maybe see what he's got. I still think he ends up at a 
safety or outside linebacker just because of his build, and um, they didn't throw the ball much at Bellevue. They ran the wing tee, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, getting those guys on campus is huge. You talked about it, you touched on it a little bit right now. Wazoo does not have a quarterback signed in this class. Quentin Davis decommitted from uh, WSU to head, I believe it was Fresno State uh, instead. He had a pre-existing relationship with the coaching staff there as well. Uh, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, you're pretty solid in good shape right now as long as nobody's transferring. you got Luke Falk for another two years probably. You've got Peyton Bender for another three years. And you got Tyler Holinsky who could very well leapfrog Peyton Bender and be a starting quarterback when Luke Falk's all done. It's probably not a disaster uh, to not take a quarterback in this class, even though I know Mike Leach likes to take one in each class, Britain. But it's it's probably something they can get away with uh, for 2016. You obviously like to have one for 2017, but not a total disaster if you don't have one in this class. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it, I just, they, they clearly wanted a quarterback in this class, and um, they had Ian Book, then he bolted to Notre Dame, and then uh, you, the next man up was Cody Brewer, and um, I, I think they just kind of really liked Quentin Davis's. Um, his film a little better, and so they did the whole mutual decommitment deal there, and brought in Quentin Davis. And Quentin Davis still hasn't committed anywhere. I'm not sure if he visited Fresno State this weekend, mm-hmm. but they were also looking at another quarterback in Southern California. And so um, his situation is a little different. But I mean, like you said, it's not the end of the world. They they have a pretty good uh, preferred walk-on quarterback coming in, Bryce Massey, I believe, at a standaway. Um, he, he's a, a smaller smaller quarterback. Um, not the most mobile guy, but I mean, he'll come in, and it's at least another body that come in there and still passes during um, the repetition drills. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, you got you got Bender and Holinsky, and if you're going to skip a QB class, it was going to be this year, um, just because you you have the depth there. And um, I think they really like what they got in Tyler Holinsky, and um, it doesn't sound like Bender's going to be going anywhere. And so there's a lot of competition there still. And then Luke Falk's obviously leading the way and could be here for two more years. Yeah. Let's get actually dive in here a little bit. Just kind of looking at this class, you've got three offensive or four offensive linemen, and I beg pardon, you've got a lot of wide receivers, five offensive linemen. I'm even miscounting. Good lord, uh, lots of emphasis there. Uh, this class is pretty uh, diverse in terms of positions they've been recruiting. They've even got Mason Vineyard listed as a tight end, something we have not seen on this roster ever before. They're, they've spread out pretty well with all the guys uh, in terms of what they were recruiting. Uh, position-wise for 2016? Yeah, they filled up uh, basically every single need they have. What they really need, though, is still that, that defensive tackle spot, and that's uh, get a decision on that here tonight or tomorrow morning with Wayne Kirby. Mm-hmm. We can get to that a little later, but they uh, they, they got their, they got a, a nice group of cornerbacks. They got four of them coming in, one already on campus. Um, you got a Juco. You, you filled in pretty well with the Juco guys. You got one on the defense, all, all three levels of the defense. Um, and then receiver, you, you look at, you lost two. You lost Zaire Andre and Barry Ware um, prior to camp last year, and then you weren't able to register anyone. You played Tavares Martin, and um, so so you and you didn't lose anybody. So you're going to lose uh, River and Gabe next year. So you wanted to get a big class in there to help spread that out. Um, probably register three of the receivers that come in if they take four, and, uh, and then the offensive line, which is always going to be a priority. Um, I think they actually have six that are committed right now. Uh, they got Guy Asoa, the guy that just committed out of Hawaii, who's mm-hmm. actually been committed for quite some time. Um, then you got Frederick Maui Goa still making a decision. And then you have Jalen Lewis and Watson and uh, Keenan King, who's um, extremely highly rated. He had a bunch of uh, Pac-12 offers. Um, and Christian Hongana, the, the, 
one of the bigger guys you're ever going to see on a football field. He's sitting like six seven, like three eighty eight. He's just a huge guy. Um, they're going to be fine at, at a and on the, on the offensive line. But then you got another, um, basically a playmaker at a running back in a similar situation where he, he's probably going to miss the season due to injury um, as uh, James Williams. And so you're still filling all the spots, and they still got some more coming in that um, are still going to make their decisions over the next couple of days. And so they did a really good job of uh, nailing all of their uh, their needs, yeah. except for maybe at the defensive tackle spot. Let's talk about some of these guys individually a little bit. I think athletically wise, uh, just looking up and down uh, these commits, is you, you see a lot of the athleticism coming out in them. Renard Bell, um, recalling very athletic. Romalo Harris, Mello Harris, uh, also very athletic. Running back Isaiah Johnson, obviously you already talked about. Uh, I think Desmond Patman's got a chance to play right away, as you talked about as well. And the defensive backs all are just kind of those ball-hawking uh, DBs that Alex Grinch really likes. If you had to kind of pick out one guy in this class and you had to say, this is the most athletic kid uh, they're bringing in on Wednesday, uh, which would you pick if I, you know, gun to your head, which one would you go with? Man, they, they just brought in um, the latest commit. Danny Bender is one of the more athletic guys you're going to see on a football field. He's like 6'4", um, 225, 230 pounds. And um, he, he runs, he's probably running about a sub 4'6", 40. And he's he's just, you can clearly see the athleticism. He's definitely raw. He played um, safety. He started out safety and then he grew like six inches. Um, so they moved him over to tight end. Um, and then his uh, last two seasons, he's playing defensive end and um, he was named a first-team All-State by the Cal High um, Cal High publication deal that does that. Yeah. And uh, he's very athletic. A couple other guys, Leard Bartley, another defensive end. He played some quarterback for him. Um, just another freaky athlete. And then Dijamon Jones is a guy that's uh, one of the better basketball players in the state right now. He's um, always above the rim, and, and he, he can play offense or defense when he gets to Pullman. I think they're recruiting him as a, a cornerback right now, but he has a chance to kind of play wherever he wherever they can put him on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much there's just so much speed. And that, that, those guys are um, just some off the top of my head, but uh, it's definitely a class that um, has a bunch of just kind of raw athleticism. A guy you mentioned earlier was Mason Vineyard. He's listed as a tight end, but they're going to bring him in as a, more of the rush guy, maybe um, get his hand down on the line a couple times. But mm-hmm. he's uh, another guy that um, wasn't extremely highly recruited, but he's a, one of those sparky, uh, freaky guys that – um, can basically do everything you, you you want in like a combine style. So um, bringing in those guys and molding them and um, basically finding a, a certain type of body they want at every single position is something that you're starting to see more and more along um, the NFL and then trickling down, and uh, that's yeah. kind of what they're doing out here. I think one of the things I've been most impressed with this coaching staff, Britain, is that it, it seems like it's, you know, you're not necessarily finding these diamond-in-the-rough type guys, but maybe these guys that the larger programs aren't taking as close of a look at and you're going in there and offering them a chance to play at Wazoo. There's still the chance to play early, but a lot of these guys in this recruiting staff now, Roy Manning, uh, you know, everybody knows how good of a recruiter Joyce, jo- Joy, Joe Salaava is. He'll kill me if he finds out I called him Joy. Um, Salvea too. Yes, yeah, Salvea, yeah. Uh, so, see, I can't say any of his name right. Coach Joe. If <laughs> Coach Joe... Uh, Sala Ava, Sala Hercule, Hercules Mata I can get that one right. Um, I'm just off the rails completely here. This is what doing a month without a show will do. Um, their the talent evaluation and their pitch uh, to Pullman just seems to be different 
than a lot of previous coaching staffs here. And, you know, not just, you know, Paul Wolf or Bill Doba's staffs where they had a hard time getting anybody to come to Pullman. And obviously they have the advantages now of the football operations building and the better press box and all that good stuff. But there's, there's just something about this staff that is getting these really athletic kids uh, to come to Pullman, which is kind of what Wazoo needs if they're going to win in the Pac-12 is just these sneakily athletic kids that uh, nobody else is really taking a close look at. Yeah, and um, it, it's a cool spot. Like I said, it's a cool spot to do that in, in this class. And, and like you said, you got Roy Manning and Alex Grinch is down there in San Diego recruiting. I mean, he got four guys out this cycle. And um, you got Roy Manning just running all over the place in Los Angeles. And then you just add a Jamarcus Shepard, who's uh, was a, probably Western Kentucky's um, best recruiter, and they just went 12 and 2 and got the top 25 ranking at Western Kentucky. You know? um, so, and then the guys that have always previously been there, you know, Jim Astro's got um, just an eye for talent that most of the guys he picks kind of know that they're they're probably going to be contributors to the program, and mm-hmm. um, they're uh, they're doing a really good job. I mean, the biggest selling point over the last couple of years was the football operations building, and then that's kind of been a standard there. And uh, I think a lot of kids uh, know that hey, there's a building there, and most of the places they're going to go now have those buildings. WSU was lucky enough to get a couple of the classes um, prior to the rest of the conference really um, starting to build those. You look at UCLA is doing something, and then Oregon State just uh, <clears throat> building something on some dinosaur pit. And so <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're looking at uh, WSU now trying to sell that family vibe. And what you really saw this year um, in that locker room was a locker room that's come together, that's an actual team, that's something that took a little while to build just to get get some of the rotten apples out of there. Not necessarily rotten apples, but just everyone that, that believes in, in that kind of system. And you listen to someone like Gabe Marks, who um, literally sounded like Mike Leach in his press conferences, and a lot of the guys did start to sound like that. Then you, This class is one of the closest I've seen um, on social media. They're always yeah. talking together. Yeah, I have a list that I cut all of them, and um, they're always talking back and forth. And anytime they get a new commit, they're all jumping on that commit, saying, hey, welcome to the family. Um, every single time you get back from they get back from their visit, they're all just talking about family. So um, I think that that kind of locker room culture is actually uh, trickling down in the living room, and um, that kind of helps get those guys up there. But like you said, um, they're not going to get consistently those four-star guys, but they are going after those guys that they think they can fit in these spots, and they have the athleticism, and the guys that aren't as polished right away um, to get up to campus. And they don't have to be polished right away. They're, they're finally at a spot where yep. they can – Sit these guys back, register them, develop them, and then um, not have to force these guys to play right away. They're still going to sell them as, hey, you can come up to Washington State and play right away because there's a lot of kids um, that are going to play as freshmen this year. Um, but, you know, they're, they're finally getting to a spot where the culture's coming together um, and everything's just kind of winding up how they envisioned it when they, they arrived. I think you touched on a good point there of, you know, you're finally now to the point with this team, you know, not focusing on the recruiting class. You can redshirt a lot of these kids and you're not too worried about, you don't need to force them to play right away. But I think the other thing a lot of folks focus on too is the family aspect. And we hear a lot of that, you know, a lot of stereotypical talk, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, the James Paxton articles this weekend, oh, best shape of his life, lost 20 pounds, best shape of his life. Oh, well, they're, they're a family, they're a family. That's that's the locker room environment. We hear a lot of that, but it kind of seems like with this team, that's not just talk. These guys really think that uh, about one another, and it's, it's not just kind of the BS standard answer you hear from a lot of players. This really is a family of 18 to 22-year-old guys that are kind of watched over by their coaches, isn't it? Well, they don't have anywhere else to go. 
Oh, you look at all the other yeah. places. I mean, some of these guys, there's, there's not many kids that are coming from Pullman, Washington, going to Pullman High School and coming in. And they, this has to be a family, and they've created that family environment. I mean, um, there's a reason that all these Samoans are coming up there is because Joe treats them like a family. They have dinner tonight every other, like, three times a week. Um, they all hang out together. They have houses all together. Um, that's not the case on a lot of campuses. I mean, you can go home on the weekends on a lot of campuses, down, especially in California. Um, they have to be a family, and that's what they're selling. They, they also selling, I mean, it, it's a true college town. Everyone listening to this went to WSU. It's, it's a place that, I mean, <clears throat> you go there, and um, it, it's one of the last true college towns in America is what they've been selling it. And so um, those are the two of the, the main things that they sell, and I think it is a reality. Looking at this class, Britain, it, it's what I would argue is probably Mike Leach's best class. And just from top to bottom, in terms of the quality of the kids they're getting here, I mean, obviously, you know, we've seen some four stars uh, before, most notably Gabe Marks and Mike Leach's first one. But, you know, e- even though the, like nothing really pops out and wows you, this is arguably his best class, I think, uh, so far, just in his tenure at Washington State. Yeah, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but he's he's a it's a class that fills all the needs they want, and they got um, especially on the defensive side, they got the uh, the JUCO guys they they wanted um, to get in there and possibly play right away. You got Robert Taylor who could slot in right next to uh, um, Shalom Lawani, another JUCO guy at safety, um, and then you have uh, Chimon Yeklu who can come in right away and um, play in one of those either middle or outside linebacker spots, and then. Um, you have Garrett McBroom, who they're kind of counting on, but he's a fiery guy. I mean, they talk about Oklahoma Strong. Or, um, that's what Leach was talking about. I mean, it's a guy that, that literally is built tough. Um, yeah. So they, they get him in there. And uh, the rest of the guys, I mean, there's just so much uh, just kind of raw talent. Um, and it's uh, it's not the kind of raw talent that um, has just a couple big sky offers, you know. It, it's, it's raw talent that um, is wanted by most of the Mountain West. Most of them have, like, a pac you're starting to see the quality of uh, recruit um, rise um, through the years, and this this class has um, a quality recruit from top to bottom. Um, and uh, I think it is his, his best class he's, he's put together without even the four stars and yeah. um, the, the highly rated three stars. None of them are all ranked at their position, but they're all uh, they're all guys that can come in and, and sit down for a year. And I think um, most of these guys will end up playing and um, working out down the line. We lost a couple of coaches and actually receivers coaches uh, here before the class ended. Uh, Graham Harrell stayed with the team uh, through the Sun Bowl. I believe Coach Yost did as well, but they're both now gone. Graham Harrell's the offensive coordinator at the University of North Texas. Uh, Yost, I believe, at the University of Oregon. That didn't have as big of an effect on this recruiting class uh, this year. I, I, I don't think we saw anybody really depart because those guys did. They were able to keep everybody that... Uh, those two were talking to in the class, and I, I don't think, Britton, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Yost wasn't recruiting too terribly much anyway, was he? No, and I think that was something that was kind of known when he arrived on campus. I mean, he was recruiting um, eastern Washington, Idaho, and Montana, and it, you can just, you, you know that there's obviously not that much uh, talent out there. There's yeah. talent, and they're going to go after those, those guys that, that are in those areas, but um, I think he was pretty burnt out coming from um, Missouri, and so that's they kind of put him there, and um, he did a lot more um, in the film room and on the field, not in the booth, um, than he was doing on the recruiting show. So that that was never really much of a worry when he um, arrived on or when he took the job at Oregon that he would um, either be taking recruits with him or uh, uh, there would be recruits kind of taking a look somewhere else. Um, Graham Harrell's 
and also, I mean, he uh, he recruited pretty well. I mean, it was his first full season recruiting, and um, but they, uh, they they do kind of a tag team approach with most of these kids once they get them um, committed and stuff. And so, I mean, if you're gonna lose. If you're going to lose coaches at any position, it might as well be a receiver in this offense because yeah. it's not going to change a ton. Um, those relationships are obviously important, but uh, they filled them pretty quickly. And um, as soon as that happened, I mean, they got in those living rooms, got them on the phone, said, hey, nothing's really changing. We're going to get a good guy to come in here. And I think um, Nickel and uh, Shepard have done a good job of um, quickly building relationships with those guys that were uh, being recruited by Yostin. Yostin. Harold. Yeah. We started uh, the show off talking about how this is silly season, and I kind of want to end it uh, talking about how this is silly season. We're going to do another show again after National Signing Day Britain, and it's just the likelihood that something nuts can happen is pretty high, and it's just something that people should probably be prepared for uh, to happen, and it's not something that it only happens at Washington State. It happens to everybody, virtually everybody on signing day. You get either a good or a bad surprise. Sometimes you get both and multiples of each. It just is, nothing is in set in stone until the NLI has been faxed in to Bowler Gym tomorrow. I think it's the only damn thing they use that fax machine for. But, you know, <laughs> nothing is... Too. Yeah, so nothing. nothing is set in stone until tomorrow, and we should just kind of be expecting something bonkers to happen. Uh, if you're not, you're just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, something's going to happen. I mean, there's, there's still four guys, Malagoa, Taylor Hawkins, Zion Apples, and uh, Wayne Kirby, who still have yet to make their decisions. Um, they could easily go commit somewhere else and then wind up sending it back to Washington State on Wednesday. Something's going to happen. I mean, um, it's... It, there's something about the 17-year-old line that when it comes down to, hey, I need to pick where I'm going to stay for four to five years of my life, that say, oh, maybe I should stay closer to home or maybe, you know, mm-hmm. stay cold feet. Something is going to happen. I mean, it's just the reality of it. And it could be good. It could be bad. Um, or you could get both, like you said. Um, it, it's silly season for a reason. and um, it, It's always an exciting day. Um, it can be um, a very frustrating day and it can be a very exciting day and it can be a lot of between but um, I think it's going to turn out decently I mean last year you think back to our uh, podcast last year hey this class is really good I mean they have a bunch <laughs> of four or five stars and then all of a sudden we do our, our recap podcast and it was pretty somber, somber uh, <laughs> podcast I mean we're sitting there talking about well do you have 45 minutes to talk about all the decommits and what yeah. happened you know and so hopefully we're not doing that again, but uh, there's surely going to be some some intrigue and there's going to be some surprises, and it's just kind of the excitement of uh, National Signing Day. Well, it, I can tell everybody, uh, Britain's favorite day of the year is this coming Thursday. It's his, it's his yeah. favorite freaking day of the year. He can finally kick back. He can Well, I mean, he opens up many beers as it is in the first place, but he can, he can really just kind of relax for the first time in many, many months. And uh, you, you deserve it, big guy, but not, not before uh, you have an awful day on Wednesday just being up for 19 straight hours. My decanter is filled. <laughs> With what? Pendleton. Oh, yeah, I should have suspected as much. I thought, I thought you might mix it up, but no, he goes with Pendleton. Britton Ransford, our recruiting guy at kookcenter.com. We will be back on Thursday 
night to talk about the class that was, or the class that is, I guess, at that point, if we're talking in present tense, and hopefully nothing too crazy that would force us to go drink like we did after the last one we did uh, last February here on the Kooksner Hour. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday.